0: This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO. PennyMac is committed to advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace, the mortgage industry, and the community, including the promotion of affordable and sustainable home ownership. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC. Equal housing lender. NMLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. It
1: doesn't feel good. Right. It doesn't have to regard You have to take down your pictures, remove anything that remove yourself from your own home Mm -hmm. because you aren't you're not sure that your presence in your own home is going to get you the value that it deserves.
0: This is Gated Communities, where we talk about everything you're not supposed to talk about in the mortgage industry. Hey everyone, I'm Katie Jensen, staff writer for American Business Media. This is Gated Communities sponsored by PennyMac, where we'll be talking about gatekeeping, redlining, company culture, and how to actually help underserved borrowers. Coming up, we have a special guest who is not a mortgage professional, but someone whose story highlights an ongoing problem in the industry, Tanisha Tate Austin. Perhaps some of you have already read about the Tate Austin appraisal case in the press, but for those who didn't, a black couple from California had an appraiser lowball them, so they completely whitewashed their home and the value shot way up. So Tanisha, can you tell me, um, did you always look around Marin County and what made you buy the Bacheco Street House in 2016?
1: Hi, um, thank you for having me on. Um, I, I actually grew up in Los Angeles. I grew up in Southern California. Um, and I moved to Northern California, uh, about 12 years ago. Um, and when I moved here, I moved immediately, immediately to Marin County, but not to Marin City. Um, it was, um, after meeting my husband, um, we, we moved in together in Marin City and then, um, we decided that we wanted to continue to live here. So when we, when we started to look for a home, we specifically searched for homes um, that became available in Marin City.
0: And was this your dream house? Did you want to buy a fixer-upper?
1: Oh, good question. Um, we knew for sure that we wanted to live in Marin City because my husband is third generation um, Marin City resident. Um, his family moved here. His grandparents moved here in the 1940s to work in the shipyards. So they helped build the um Nine, six ships that helped win World War II. Um, and so we like the family aspect of Marin City. We like the views. We like the, um, just the, the deep heritage and culture that Marin City, Marin City, has. So we knew that we wanted to live here. The house that we got was not necessarily our dream home, but we knew that we can make it work. Um, it was, uh, owned by one family before us. Um, and they moved into the house in the, in the, in the sixties. Um, And they kept the house. <clears throat> it was a family home. And I purchased it directly from Ms. Judy Spritner, uh, who was the owner and um, And we knew we had a lot of work to do, but we were up for the task.
0: So did you put a lot of work into the home yourself? and can you explain kind of the renovations that you did over the years and how your homes transformed?
1: Yeah, um we put a lot of uh work in initially and then also lots of contractors have put in a lot of work. Um we remodeled the kitchen, we updated the kitchen, we um updated the bathrooms, made uh the back of the house a master suite uh with a with a, a separate tub and um shower. Um all of the all the bedrooms have a view of the water. We also um, added a deck, uh, a 20 by eight foot deck. We added a um, um, open glass doors to lead out to the deck. So you have that indoor outdoor filling. We added a fireplace, extended the home um, in the front. We also added uh, uh, like a family room downstairs and an apartment that can be rented out as well downstairs. So lots of work. Yeah, it
0: sounds like you essentially doubled the size of your home. Oh
1: yeah, we did, we did, and and updated it as well. So we're talking about nice fixtures, like the finishes are. um, You know that that's what makes the home, and so like it it feels more comfortable. Like right now, I'm sitting on the deck looking at the water, um, and I, I wasn't able to do that before.
0: To see your home transform into your dream home with all that work that you put in. So are you very proud of the work that you've done over the years and how it
1: looks now? I am proud because um, it's more than just our house, it's our community. And, you know, other people in the community are proud of what we've done with our homes. It makes the makes the community look uh, good. Um, our friends are also working on their home right now. Um, they live like right around the corner. So it just creates a sense of pride, not just for us, but for our community.
0: So after undergoing years of renovations and improvements, you got your home value up to about $1.45 $5 million. And that was in 2019. So what made you want to refinance again in 2020?
1: I think it's important for people to understand that um, Owning property is a, a way for people to um, that equity allows people to use that uh, that liquid for cash. So we needed to we we needed to finish the remodel, and so I needed money to pull out of the house to finish the remodel, and so I had to um, I had to refinance again in 2020. I see.
0: Okay, so you wanted to pull equity out of your house, so. After deciding again to uh, refinance in 2020, also there was historically low rates that played a part in it
1: as well, right? Absolutely, yes. So the, the rates were low, unbelievably low, and we needed additional funds to finish the remodel.
0: So in February of 2020, Jeanette Miller from AMC Links LLC came in to inspect the home and conduct an appraisal. Were you present for Miller's appraisal in 2020?
1: I was not, but my husband was. Um, So I was at work. My husband was here. He said that she was nice and kind and was very complimentary of the home and walked through. um, And then she left and told us that she would get the report back to us. um, And then it came back a couple weeks later.
0: So there was nothing really off-putting about his interaction
1: with her as far as you could tell. No. Interesting. No, and that's the that's the thing. Um, that's the thing about um, unconscious bias or just the, the history of this sort of like redlining and uh, low ball appraising is that people are not necessarily aware of it. It's more than just one bad player because I know people are going to say, oh yeah, that person was just a, uh, you know, a bad appraiser. Um, but the, the, the discrepancies in um, the way appraisals are done, there's really no true algorithm. There's no like there's no true map. Once we started to dig into it, um, that causes for um, opportunities for discrimination and bias to seep in. And that's what happens.
0: Can you kind of explain to our audience what it's like in Marin City versus the rest of Marin County? Because that did come into a play uh, with the lawsuit.
1: Yeah. So Marin City, like I mentioned, um, was founded in the 1940s. And at the time, it had people from diverse backgrounds that lived here um, because they all worked in the shipyards. This was the government own housing for people who worked in on the shipyards in the war. So it was white people, black people, all you know, all different types of people. And then after the war was over, uh white families were allowed to move out of Marin City and buy property in the other parts of Moran County. So Tiburon, Mill Valley, or you know, move out of Marin County if they wanted to. Um the black families were not allowed to move out of the uh, move out of Moran City. So they they made Moran City home. And um in the in the fifth in the 50s and the 60s, like I mentioned, they started to fight for more public, um, for more permanent housing because the war housing was, um, deteriorating. And so the home that we purchased is is one of the it's called a pole home. It's a historical home that the elders fought to have as permanent housing back in the um in the 60s. And so that means a lot to us. Um, but Marin County is perceived as being um low income or um. Uh, com- well, it is lower income compared to the rest of Moran County. The average, um, the median income here in Moran City is like 40000 and the median income in mo- the rest of Moran County is $150,000. Um, but uh, that, that that does not tell the true story of our community and how diverse it actually still is. Um, we're 27, African Americans are 27% of the um, population in Moran City, but white. Um, white folks are also 27% of the population. And then there's a mix of other races um, to make up the rest of the 100%. But it is the most diverse, the most diverse town in all of Moray County.
0: And once you got the report back from Miller, what was your initial reaction to seeing the appraised value?
1: Oh, I, a couple of things, a range of emotions. I was shocked. I was, I was angry. I was sad. I was scared. Um, like, you know, what were we going to do now? Um, how are we going to fix this? Um, all of those emotions on top of, you know, your regular job, just living your regular life. It, it, it was, it was devastating.
0: And did you immediately think this must be racism or maybe she didn't do her due diligence? Was it laziness? Were those questions kind of running through your mind?
1: Well, Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't just the number. It was, um, you know, you read the report, you read the, the, the rhetoric that's included in the report. You look at the comps. Um, And so, yeah, I really felt like this was, this is off. This is not right. And um, I knew that I knew the comps even.
0: Sorry, everyone. Tanisha's phone dropped mid-interview, but we're getting her back on the line to continue. We we were talking about the actual appraisal uh, report that you got um, my next question was Miller's well, Miller's appraisal report demonstrated that she deviated from recognized methods um and techniques of appraisals. She was there was evidence of coded race-based remarks, specifically one quote that is pointed out in the lawsuit. There was a quote, distinct marketability which differs from the surrounding areas. Um she also used used outdated market trends, insufficient comp analysis. She determined the homes in Marin City were worth 25% less per square foot um, than those in the surrounding areas. When you saw all of this evidence and combed through the report, um, what was your reaction?
1: Yeah, you're upset. You're angry. You're sad. You're pissed off. Um, I uh, called our um, broker and told him that I was uncomfortable um, with the language that was used in the report and also the comps. Um, and he actually agreed that he was like, yeah, this is a little, um, he didn't use the word racist, but he was uncomfortable with what, you know, with the appraisal report as well. So there's a process where you can, um, you can request uh, a second appraisal, but it, you may not be granted it. So you have to appeal, um, to AMC links to have a second appraisal done. And so I had to uh, write. I uh, wrote like a summary of what my concerns were with the report. Sent that to our broker, and then he um, wrote a report to, uh, like, an appeal to MC Links. And then, fortunately, we were granted another appraisal. But imagine if we if we had not been granted another appraisal. Don't miss the nation's largest show for successful mortgage pros. Originator Connect returns to Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, August 18th through the 21st. See us at OriginatorConnect.com. It's simply the greatest mortgage conference in the known universe. OriginatorConnect.com.
0: So that was the kind of process that you took after that. Um, And who came up with the idea initially to whitewash the home?
1: I did. Okay. Okay i did and that was based on like um you know research i had done uh articles i have read in the new york times and other publications kind of about like when a when a community is predominantly perceived as predominantly african-american historically it gets lower rates um lower valuation um for appraisals and so the way i can guarantee that the way i can guarantee to prove to myself that this was um the the way I can guarantee was to make sure that the house was owned by a white person at the time of the appraisal. And that way, that was my best shot of getting the highest value um, or the most accurate value of the home. And that's, that's the, that's the piece of it, right? It's uh, getting the accurate valuation of your home based on race. And so I knew that if I had a white friend pretend to be me, I would get an accurate evaluation of, of my house versus a devaluation of my home because I'm black. So um, I called her up and said, "We got a low appraisal. Will you come and be me the next time we get the house appraised?" And she said, "Of course."
0: No questions asked. She just said, "Of course."
1: Yeah, because um, she she's aware of uh, she's she's aware of the the discrimination that happens. Um, this isn't the first time we've been treated. She and I've been treated differently um, based on our race. And so she, she was all about it, you know, like whatever she can do to help us succeed, she's going to, she's going to help.
0: Wow. That's a great friend. Yeah. So can you explain the process of whitewashing your home and how you did that and how it made you feel?
1: Well, you know, um, it doesn't feel good, right? It doesn't feel good to have to take down your pictures remove anything that remove yourself from your own home because you aren't you're not sure that your presence in your own home is going to get you the value that it deserves so you have to remove yourself it's degrading. grading it's uh, demoralizing it's the meaning um, it's awful and you know our kids we have to take pictures of our kids down um, you know they have questions and they're interested in how much the house pays for because they know that that has value for them. Um, so it just was, it's not a process that I feel like any American should have to do. No one should have to do that.
0: So you took down a, a lot of pictures of your family, anything that had cultural significance, basically sucking all of the personality, all of the you out of your home in order to get a, fa- a fair valuation. Wow.
1: Yes, exactly. We took down all of our art. And then my friend, Jan, she brought over a picture of her family on the beach. And then as the appraiser came, she was sitting at the dining table with the deck doors open, working from home, just giving like this sort of image of um, that the house belonged to her. Dang.
0: How did your friend feel? Did she talk about it with you? Did you guys talk after it
1: happened? Well, she was just more, she didn't feel here any sort of way about being a part of the process per se in the moment she was just trying to make sure that she supported us in getting a fair evaluation and so um you know she just wanted to walk the person through the property uh explain what was going on um you know with the upgrades that we had done um but after the fact you know she was so I call her to tell her what the second appraisal comes back for and she's like no way. Like, oh my God. Like, I think in that moment, she felt like, wow, $500,000 difference. Yeah. Me being there versus Paul being there, that's significant. Right. Right. I was just going to
0: ask you, what was your reaction to that second appraisal? It came in um, at a 50% increase in value, half a million dollars more. That's uh, an insane figure.
1: Yeah. I was, I was like, I told you, like, I was like, I knew it. I I knew it. I knew that that's what the house should have a for. I knew that that was like a more fair valuation for the home. Um, but I was also upset. I mean, like throughout the whole process, you're upset for different reasons. And I was, I was relieved that we could now, um, that it came in at the valuation that we thought it should, but still upset that I had to go through all of that just to, to make that happen. It shouldn't be... It shouldn't be that variable. Like I shouldn't have to do that or wonder or guess what the, the house is going to face for. And can you
0: kind of explain the course of action that you began to take after that? Um, you, you don't have to go into too much detail about the lawsuit or anything, but maybe explain your decision to pursue the lawsuit and what you're hoping to gain from this.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, um, the, our story went viral because a local news reporter, um, picked up the story. Um, he's a, a race and um, culture reporter. And then from there, we had plenty of people contacting us about the story, wanted to learn more. Um, and then uh, fortunately um, our, uh, the, the news reporter connected us with an organization in San Francisco um, that supports fair housing and um, a lawyer uh, got in contact with us. And so uh, the, the um, we decided to pursue uh, the lawsuit after they evaluated whether or not you know it was something that we can pursue. And so mm-hmm. once they did a thorough analysis of that, then we said, yeah, let's go ahead and and and, and do this. And part of it is because um, we want we want change. Um, we we want change. We want the system, the industry to also be put on notice like you know you know unfortunately sometimes change doesn't happen unless you um hit people where it matters to them and so that's part of it we want legislative change um and when you think about this she attempted to rob us for five hundred thousand dollars like put it in that perspective like someone is taking five hundred thousand dollars from you that's significant and it's attempted robbery in my opinion
0: and so as your story started to gain more and more attention, did you feel more validation for feeling the way you felt from everything?
1: Well, you, you, you hear other stories. It's happening all across the country. You read about it. You, um, you, um, you, you hear about it in, in you know, very scholarly articles, right? So we know this isn't a thing. Uh, that This is a one-off experience. This is we just were able to be the waste of many people of color who have been very similar experiences throughout our nation. Um, And I think the fact that the amount, the value, the amount was so significant is why our story took such uh, latitude. But this is happening more frequently than not. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. It sounds like you gained attention from your story very, very quickly. How do you feel about that, about representing um, other couples and individuals who have been through this experience?
1: I think it's important for us to do. Um, I think, because we have this platform, it's our, it's our kind of like our responsibility to tell the story. It's tiring and it's exhausting. And, you know, every time you have to retell, you have to relive those moments, you know, the feelings that you have. Um, but I'm really hoping that industry folks will listen to what we're saying and not disregard our experience. Like this is where, you know, you have the um, quantitative data, and now there's this is qualitative data. This is the the people, the folk, the street data that you need to have in order to revamp an industry.
0: So the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division filed a statement of interest in your discrimination lawsuit. What was your reaction to that, and how has it affected
1: your case? Um, my reaction was a smile. Right. So that what that meant was that the Department of Justice realizes that this is a situation that needs to be addressed, that at least it needs to be, um, it needs to go forward. And they, they, they support the investigation into this. They support um, us looking into this as American people. Um, and for now we're still on hold. There's, we have not, we have not gotten an update um, from the the judge um, who is, Going to rule on whether or not uh, the the defendant filed for a motion of dismissal, and so we're waiting for a ruling from the judge. And that's what the Department of Justice weighed in on.
0: So, how are you and your family doing right now with how the case is
1: progressing? Um, you know, it's up in the air, right? So you're on pins and needles. You you hope that all of the the talking, the discussions, the fighting um, is all for something. You, you, you know, we hope that we're successful, um, and winning the, and winning the lawsuit, um, and that it's precedent setting.
0: And so can you kind of explain also the activism and the other steps that you're taking, um, to kind of voice your message and voice your story? I know you mentioned, um, before we had this call that, um, you're working with an organization or leading one called Critical Friends, LLC. Can you kind
1: of explain what you're doing there? Yeah. So, um, Critical Friends LLC is a a business that I I founded, um, you know, based on my professional experience and also my personal experience, um, helping leaders or businesses, school leaders, business leaders to really look at their diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and develop strategy to, um improve that because it's more than just a plan. It's more than a mission statement. It's actions. It's actionable steps that we all have to take to make our world a better place. And so, uh, so we're consulting group coaching, um, to help support, uh, you know, businesses, whether that's the real estate industry or schools or any sort of business organization, you know, we, we want to use our voice and our platform and our experience and also, um, you know, my professional experience to help other leaders um, make a change.
0: And so can you also explain your most recent visit to the White House?
1: Yeah, um, I was we were honored to be um, (laughs) honored is such an ironic (laughs) term for it. But um, we were honored to be asked to come to speak uh, on a on a panel. For, um, for PAVE and PAVE, uh, is an interagency task force that the Biden Harris administration put together, 13 agencies to look at, um, appraisal discrimination, um, and the history of it in this country, um, because they recognize that it's an issue. And so, um, we were invited amongst, uh, two other families, one from the Midwest and another family from, um, Prince George County. To speak on the panel. And then I was also invited to introduce um, Vice President um, Harris to the stage to present the action plan.
0: So people in our industry might already be familiar with PAVE. Um, a few press releases have come out about it, but they may not have known that your case specifically connects with PAVE uh, very closely. So th- you've already yeah. kind of, or they've already kind of drafted an action plan um, in PAVE and they're currently working on it. Are there any specific solutions? Um, or areas of study that you're excited about or excited to see the outcome
1: of? Well, yeah, I'm excited to see um, the fact that they want to diversify the industry, right? Um, So that was one of the action steps. And I'm also excited to see the anti-bias training um, be applied because I think that's critical. Like it's critical in every industry. Um, And if we want to have a healthier society, it it also has to penetrate and be integrated into um, the real estate and appraisal industry as well.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to add or do you want to voice uh, right now? Anything that you're working on?
1: Um, well, I just want to say thank you again for uh, allowing us to share our story and, and hopefully, um, you know, someone will hear this, someone in the industry will hear this and understand the impact. Again, you know, the, an appraisal valuation um, determines how... Um, the, the value of your home and that can be the difference in sending your kids to college that can be the difference in the ability to start a business that can be the difference in um, having generational wealth like you know all those things matter and when you add those up cumulatively that's why people of color have been held back one of the reasons i won't say the only reason one of the reasons why people of color have been held back in our country not like we're not working hard. I have two master's degrees. My husband is, is college educated and that, that, that should matter. But in the system where we're taught meritocracy, we're, we're working on our merits. We're working very hard, but still our, our lives, our bodies, our minds, our property is not evaluated at the same as our white counterparts. And that shouldn't exist in our country.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing our story with us. I really hope that the audience, you know, takes away your message and is motivated by it, um, wants to create change as well because as much as it is as it is systemic with the legacy of segregation, it's also people's own um, bias or
1: unconscious bias. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, it's both it's both and it's not one it's not just one person that's making a bad choice. It's a system of power that's perpetuated by people making bad choices. Um, and so, yeah, uh, last thing is, um, I, and you don't have to put this in there, but, uh, shameless plug. If people want, um, to reach out to Critical Friends LLC, um, to get support with their business or organization, they can email me, ttape at criticalfriends, um, .org. You can also follow me on, um, social media, Critical Friends LLC on Instagram. And my husband is um, at at play.moran on Instagram as well.
0: Awesome. Wonderful. I hope everybody goes and checks that out. There's pictures of the White House on there, things that they're doing for PAVE. So anyone in the industry who wants updates on that should check out their social media or their website. This is Gated Communities hosted by me, Katie Jensen, for the Mortgage News Network. All episodes are produced by T.G. Kudem Peror and Matthew Mullins. Our head of multimedia is Mike Savino and our editor-in-chief is Christine Stewart. Make sure you subscribe to Gated Communities so you get future episodes and be sure to rate and review it so others can find it. The song you heard at the beginning was Wildside by Saint Society and the song you hear now is Will You Dance With Me by Lala Nia. This podcast is copyrighted by American Business Media. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness.